So a warm welcome to all of you. And uh, for those, all of us who have come, who have faith, enough faith to gather together to practice meditation on this online retreat. So it requires this inspiration, this um, conviction in the fully self-awakened Buddha. And this kind of faith, it's a very, very high form of merit. And even though the Buddha attained to the Dhamma and taught the Dhamma a long time ago, um, there are still people who have uh, minds of faith and hearts of faith who are able to come and practice these teachings, um, who have interest uh, to take up this path of practice. Because some people, they have uh, some kind of faith in making merits and being generous. And uh, there are some who also uh, take the precepts and keep their sila well. But it's very few who are able to practice meditation, cultivate their hearts too. And so we have almost uh, 500 people who have registered uh, to come together to practice meditation um, in this retreat. And uh, different people live in different places and uh, different minds um, all, are all the same in the firm conviction that we have in the Triple Gem. And uh, we've come to take the precepts now, either the five precepts or the eight precepts, and both of these give us great benefit. And uh, there are those who keep the five precepts as a normal standard for their life, as something that they do every single day. And the shows that they have minds that are filled with goodness, that have minds that can sacrifice easily, that they have this devotion towards building merit, uh, towards generosity. And uh, they have both these qualities of generosity and virtue as normal things that they do in their lives. And if we have even more energy, uh, then we can take on the eight precepts. And these eight precepts, um, they can give great benefits to our practice of meditation, can take people all the way to the level of anagami. And people who take the five precepts, uh, they can attain to sotapanna or sakadagami. Uh, but whatever the case, whether it's the five precepts or the eight precepts, uh, that in order to take these up, we do need a great faith which fills up our hearts. Uh, and to be able to come here to offer our practice and homage to the fully awakened Buddha. And so having this sincerity, this devotion in this way, um, we come together to practice. And we can take up uh, the, this practice of kamatana. So literally kamatana means the foundation or the basis of our work. And it's that which lifts the level of our mind up um, even higher. So for monks, uh, we're given the five kamatana objects by our upajaya, by our preceptors on the day of our ordination. And uh, with these five objects, what we do is we contemplate uh, kesa, loma, naka, danta, tacho, the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin. And these we call the pancha kamatana, the five kamatana objects. And these have uh, the skin at the end of them. 
So during the ordination, whether it's a novice or a monk who is ordaining, it's necessary for the upajaya to tell them this, uh, for the ordination to be valid. And um, why do they do that? And why is it just these five objects? Uh, because really, the Buddha taught about 32 parts of the body. Uh, but it's the hair of the head, hair of the body, the nails, the teeth, the skin, um, that our physical eyes are able to see. These are the parts which cover over our bodies. And we gain this understanding that this body is actually me, it's mine. It's something that brings us happiness and joy. It's something that's real, it's something that doesn't change. And we also have this deep understanding that it is something attractive and beautiful. But we need to see that when we perceive this body as being something beautiful, then it's natural for liking or pleasure to arise within the body. And this pleasure or this lust, it's something that obstructs samadhi from arising. So for us being born into this world, it's natural that we will feel lust or pleasure towards the world and the things in it and the bodies in it, both our own bodies and the bodies of other people. And uh, so we see these things as being beautiful, as being constant and stable, as being a source of happiness, as being me and a self. And it's for this reason that the preceptor needs to teach these five meditation objects for all of the young men who come to ordain. Uh, so that they can take these and practice with them, use them to cultivate their minds. This is something also that Lumpu Cha or Ajahn Cha, he taught these objects as well for those who had ordained and also for those who had this real sincerity in their practice. And so for us, we've taken this time to set our hearts on training our minds for this week. And uh, so we can do so in this way, uh, take up these uh, meditation objects. And this is just an example of one way that you can practice. I'm taking up these objects of kesa, loma, naka, danta, tacho, of hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin. So that we can study them, so we can come to understand them. So if we take the hair on our head, for example, we normally get the impression, the feeling, that this is something that's attractive, that's beautiful. And it's normal for us to get this feeling within our hearts. But if we look a bit further, if we contemplate a bit more, um, we'll see that if we just allow the hair, uh, if we just let it go, we don't take care of it, we don't wash it, then it won't be long for discomfort to arise, uh, for us to, for our heads to feel quite uh, uncomfortable. And if we just let it go longer and longer, then bacteria uh, starts growing, and even mold can start growing. And we also see that if one strand of our hair falls out while we're asleep, um, and then we see it or we touch it in the morning, then we'll get the feeling that we don't really like it, that that's unpleasant. But when it's on our head, however, we feel as though it's something beautiful, it's something good. And uh, 
we can also take up another way of looking at it, that if we have a glass of clean water, or if there's some delicious food on a very beautiful plate, and some hair falls into that, then immediately we'll get the feeling that that food is unclean. That water, which was pure before, has now become dirty, and this happens instantly. But while it's on our head, however, we see it as being beautiful. So all it takes is just one strand of this hair to fall into our food, and suddenly it becomes unattractive, undesirable. And uh, this hair that if we uh, consume it, if it does fall into our food and uh, we consume that and digest it, then that then uh, gets processed by the body and it gets uh, carried around by our blood to uh, feed the different organs. So we should contemplate uh, in this way uh, because we often get the feeling that this really is something that's beautiful. Uh, so we contemplate both our own hair and the hair of other people, other beings, and seeing it in this way, establishing a mindfulness um, in the satipatthanas, in these foundations of mindfulness. And the first of those is establishing mindfulness in the body, both the internal body and the external body. So we contemplate uh, in this way, and then we can come to look at our teeth. And these are things which we use to chew food, which we use to eat. And they're constantly uh, bathed in saliva. And uh, when we eat this food, um, then we need to clean them uh, soon after. And if we don't brush our teeth, then they'll very quickly become dirty. A smell will arise. And so therefore our teeth, the hair and our head, these are things which are not beautiful. So we should really look and try to see them. And if they change, uh, then pain arises. And we've all probably passed through some of this already in our lives. That when our teeth develop problems, um, perhaps bacteria start consuming them, or they've developed issues with the roots of the teeth, that these start deteriorating, then a lot of suffering, a lot of dukkha, vedana, arises. But we need these teeth to chew, to eat, so that our bodies are able to live on. And so we should look at them and take care of them with wisdom. Contemplating these teeth as something unattractive. That really they're just bones, they're just made out of calcium. But why is it that when we see them with our eyes, then we think that there's something beautiful? We see them as being all white and nice and attractive. But this is a deluded perception that we have. And so the preceptor gives the monks uh, these objects of contemplation. So we contemplate and understand to see clearly our own teeth, to contemplate into the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin, to see them as being things that are unattractive. And what about our skin? Well, if we don't wash our skin for just one day, then we'll feel ill at ease. And then if we leave it for two days or three days, then problems start to arise. And the clothes that we wash and smell nice and are all clean, uh, when they come into contact with the body, it's not long before they start becoming dirty. That these dirty things, they seep out of the pores of the skin 
and then they get onto the clothes that we wear. And so for the monks, we are instructed to contemplate our robes frequently, that initially these things are clean, they're not dirty. But when they wrap these bodies of ours, then they become dirty. They become something that's not nice, something's unattractive. So we should contemplate in this way constantly, and this is the work of a monk. But for all of us, we can contemplate in this way as well. Uh, so even though our clothes are clean, when they come into contact with the body, then they change. And why is that? because these bodies are filled with unclean things. So we contemplate the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin, and go back and forth, back and forth, until the mind becomes still, becomes peaceful, until samadhi arises, until joy and rapture comes up. In the beginning we may not see this clearly, but we just bring up these memories of these objects, bring up the sanya, perceptions, and things that we've learnt from what we've read, from what we've listened to before. And then we contemplate, and go through these, or we can pick up just one particular aspect and look at that. And it depends upon our own character. And we have to watch for our own disposition as well as to which of these objects um, is appropriate for us. And we'll know, because when we contemplate them, then the mind becomes peaceful. And whichever kamatana has this effect, uh, then we use that. And so if it's just hair of the head, then that's enough, um, if it makes our mind calm. Or we can contemplate the skin, um, or the teeth. And if these bring the mind to peace, um, then that shows that that object is appropriate for us. Uh, so we should contemplate these things continually. And for those who have ordained, it's necessary um, to train in this practice, uh, to develop the kamatana um, like this. And sometimes nimittas, or these uh, mental images, may arise within our minds, and sometimes no image comes up. Uh, but what is enough is for our hearts to accept this truth, to accept that the body is not beautiful, and for the mind to become disillusioned uh, towards the body. And then from this joy should arise. Because we see the body as something that's not beautiful. And when we contemplate in this way, and when we've done this already, then samadhi comes up, there's a lot of happiness and joy in the heart. If we see the body as being something attractive, then the mind is dark. But if we contemplate it well, so that we see it as being something unattractive, then the mind turns radiant and joy comes up. There's an inner contentment uh, in the heart and our samadhi becomes firmly established. And so this is the benefits that we gain from our meditation practice. So when we take the five precepts, um, these aren't so directly concerned with meditation practice. Uh, but when we take up the eight precepts, and we also take this uh, precept of uh, nacha, kita, wadita, visukadasana, so to not use 
perfume and to not use jewelry, to not kind of um, ordain the body in that way. And uh, because if we do this, then it's really difficult to see the truth of the body. That even though it changes with time, even though it gets older, but if we try to improve on that, if we try to reverse that, try to beautify it, then it's difficult to see the change occurring. It's difficult to see that it's something unattractive. Uh, but when we take up these eight precepts, then it's much easier for us to see the truth and the change that's inherent within sankharas, within conditioned phenomena. So therefore we should contemplate in this way so that we don't get deluded. We don't delusionally think that these things are me or mine. We don't delusionally perceive them to be something attractive. So the benefits of the eight precepts um, are more than that of the five precepts uh, because they're a good way of bringing our minds to peace, of allowing them to be freed from lust, to not be uh, caught up in desire or kind of attraction towards the pleasure of eating. That we just use food in a way that is enough to keep our bodies alive, to keep them going. And uh, so we just eat two times a day. And then afternoon we can have some drinks, we can have some fruit juice or cocoa or coffee, and that's all right. And when the body hasn't eaten for a while, there's no food in the stomach for it to digest, then it feels quite light. And then we're less likely to be drowsy when we come to sit in meditation because the body it's not working at digesting food. So it makes this practice of cultivating samadhi easier. So therefore we come to study these five kamatanas, uh, come to look at the nature of this body, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin. These are all things concerned with the body. And then we look inside this body as well, all the organs that are there, all the blood that's there, the skeleton. And we can contemplate the skeleton or just contemplate different bones, uh, what they're called ati in Pali, that these things are not beautiful. And uh, when we contemplate like this, um, then we'll gain a clear knowing of them. And as we carry on with this practice, carry on reflecting upon them, then perhaps a mental image may arise. And uh, we can see that if we pull off the skin of this body, uh, then it's very similar to uh, different animals we may have seen uh, that uh, we peel the skin off. Um, in Thailand, uh, frogs, for instance, um, when the skin gets peeled off, then they're just red and uh, blood flows out of them. And so it's the same with these bodies of ours as well that if we peel their skin off, then they're red all over and the blood flows out, uh, pus can flow out and that's not beautiful. But if we see the body with our eyes when it still has the skin covering it, then we take it as being something beautiful. Uh, so we look at these bodies to correct our perception and we train ourselves in these five meditation objects. Uh, so that we can correct uh, 
the delusional perceptions that we have of them, and the mind can reach peace. So even though there are these 32 parts of the body in full that the Buddha taught, um, we can summarize these, or just use hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. Or we can look at some of the others as well. Look at the bones, uh, the blood, the different liquids in the body. And uh, contemplate, you can go through all of them or just pick up one of them. Whichever that we feel like we like, uh, that the mind feels happy staying with, then we pick that and we contemplate it very frequently. And in doing this, the mind becomes still, it becomes peaceful. And sometimes we may see the body as just being a bag um, of skin. And it has this very thin layer of skin, uh, this bag. And if we pierce it in any place, then blood flows out. Or we can contemplate the body as just being filled with maggots. And uh, when the mind is peaceful, then a clear understanding will arise into the nature of this body. And so this body, it's a foundation for our mindfulness, something that we should keep our mind with. Whether we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, whether we're eating or drinking, we're speaking, we're listening, we're thinking. We always try and maintain our mindfulness, bringing our awareness here in the present moment to prevent a lot of thinking from going on. And so I've explained, uh, or we can contemplate in these 32 parts that I've explained already. So if we're able to keep our mindfulness established within this body, then the heart becomes peaceful. And uh, whether we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, we can also contemplate and reflect um, on the unattractive nature of this body. And in doing this, peace can arise. And so some practitioners, they may just constantly recite Kesa, 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 or they may go through all of the five of Kesa, Loma, Naka, Danta, Tachu, and do this back and forth, back and forth, to allow the heart to settle, for it to feel at ease, and for its lust to be relieved. And when this happens, then it's easy for Samadhi to arise. And then next we can come and look at the breath, and watch the breath as it comes in and goes out, and peace becomes well established. And then when the mind is in a calm and settled state, when it's firm in this state, then we can come back and contemplate anew. And perhaps here, all we see, or it takes is for us to see just one strand of hair fall, that we see its nature to deteriorate. And there we see into the quality of anicca, dukkha, anatta, this inconstancy, the stress, and not self. We see how this one strand of hair uh, decays, and it's just uh, elements following the course of nature. We see the change of these elements within the body. And when we see this clearly, then joy fills up our hearts, uh, because we have seen into the nature of truth. So we contemplate uh, frequently, and if we get tired, and then we can come back and just look at the breath, watch the in-breath, watch the out-breath, until the mind becomes peaceful, and go back and forth between these two, and contemplate the body again. If our energy, internal energy, is enough, then we'll be able to see that this thing really is deteriorating, that it's something that isn't me, it's not mine.
So we instruct our minds in this way frequently, telling ourselves, this is unattractive, this is unattractive, to explain this to ourselves. And in the end, we will gain this clear understanding uh, that this thing really is unattractive, that it's really not me. And here we see the truth of anatta, of not-self. So we contemplate this back and forth, back and forth, in order to relieve the delusion that we have. And then knowledge arises in its place. So may all of you be sincere in practicing in this way and take up whichever method of contemplation is appropriate to your character and uh, keep that meditation object, keep that object of contemplation there as uh, the basis of your practice. <laughs>